and welcome to episode 123 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. We are off to the second round. The second round is in progress. The first round is done. So uh, the last time we were recording, however, uh, the first round was still ongoing. So we'll talk about the four teams that were eliminated, what their offseason game plan is. We're going to preview the second round matchups, how those are going right now. Uh, we've all also got some awards to talk about in a rapid fire. Uh, one of you, we know who's nominated for that, uh, as well as the Jack Adams and the Titans. And we got social teas to report on. Um, we are going to talk about the NHL draft lottery because they're picking first overall outside the top three. Yay! But first, like we always do, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame Book of Trivia, the NHL Centennial Edition. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? Yes. Okay, we are at question number 12. Finding the question here is, before Patrick Waugh accomplished it with Colorado in 2014, how many Hall of Famers won the Jack Adams Award as Coach of the Year, which with an NHL team they had played for. So your options are A, only one other individual, and that would be Pat Quinn. B, two, Jacques Lemaire and Bill Barber. C, three, Bob Pulford, Bill Barber, and Pat Quinn. Four of them, Bob Pulford, Bill Barber, Pat Quinn, Lindy Ruff. Um, uh, I don't think, uh, this is a tough one because I don't know, I'm not too familiar with all the coaches. Um, yeah. uh, I'm going to say C3, um, the one that doesn't include Lindy Ruff. Yeah, so Bob Pulford, Bill Barber, and Pat Quinn. Yeah. Which is the correct answer. Woo! Yeah, I had a feeling yeah. Lindy Ruff wasn't involved in that because that wouldn't have made sense. But yeah, uh, <laughs> well, Lindy Ruff, I think, played for the Sabers, but has he won a Jack Adams? I don't know if he has or not. Yeah, I don't think so. He may have when he was on the Sabers, but I don't think so. Okay. Well, that might be why he's not on this list because I do know for a fact that he did play with the Buffalo Sabers. So interesting. Well, he was uh, so a coach for the Sabers. Next week, uh, for yeah. sure. And uh, we are going to be talking a lot about the Buffalo Sabres. As mentioned, they got Rasmus Dahlin. But first, on with the show and on with the playoff matchups. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Yeah, that was a fitting question for this week, because not only is it talking about Jack Adams, but the Sabres as well, so um, so that was good on you. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Um, No, yeah, just perfectly timed. (laughs) The, um, yeah, so uh, like Steve mentioned at the start of the show, we have... um, well, first off, we're always recording whenever there's a playoff game going on at the moment. So, at the moment, the uh, Penguins and the Capitals are playing uh, their second game of the series. Um, so, um, keep that in mind. 
when we're doing this. Um, and also, yeah, like uh, last week, we didn't really touch on a lot of the eliminated teams. And it was kind of funny because as soon as we finished recording, like about two of these teams were eliminated. I think Philadelphia and uh, Colorado were both eliminated when we yeah, recorded. Yeah, that day, yes. And then Columbus uh, was eliminated the next day, and then Toronto took a little bit longer um, on Wednesday. But so uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But first, we'll talk. We'll preview and recap what's been going on in the four series so far um, that are you know going on at the moment. Uh, the first topic, um, coincidentally, is my team, the, the Bruins. They played the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, this is this is actually one of the series that I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, I feel like, um, I mean, I think all four of these are going to be pretty good series altogether. Um, but yeah, this one, um, yeah, they're right. All, all four are right up there. Yeah, sure. um, and you know, Boston and Tampa. It's funny too because. Uh, I, I just realized that the Red Sox are playing the Rays at the moment. Um, and back when the Bruins were playing the, the Leafs, so were the Red Sox and the Jays. So it's kind of um, so it's, it's kind of cool that both Tampa and Boston have this like uh, this thing together just like Toronto and Boston did um, last week. but um, yeah, anyways, the um, it is kind of fun because you have these are both like jam packed in offense. Um, you know they have they were really hot in the beginning of the year. They kind of became the two best, one of the two best teams in the league, and it's kind of funny how they're. I don't know if funny is the right word, but I'll I'll use that. It's funny how they're. You know they're meeting in the second round instead of like the conference finals per se. But the um, it is kind of interesting how um, how like even these teams are in a sense. You know you have the Bruins with uh, the top line of Bergeron, Marchand, and um, and uh, Pasternak, and then you have um, and then on the Tampa Bay, of course, you have. Uh, Stamkos, Kucherov, and you also have this whole bunch of characters, um, like of Point, Gord, um, of course, Hedman, um, Sergachev, even. Um, there's also uh, I'm blanking on one of the one of the a couple of their names, but um, yeah, or Palat, um, Ty Joe, Tyler Johnson. So um, so they're they're pretty stacked on the forward group as well, but. Um, anyways, um, let's start with, we can preview it first, we can go, I'll go into game one in a second, but first I want to get your take on this series. Well, I, I think this is one of those series where, like the Maple Leafs one, it's going to be decided by a coin toss, because every team is just so evenly matched offensively. And uh, um, I also think that um, defensively they're close um, to the same level. Um, so, so it's it's going to be. I think it's going to go seven games. Um, but I I firmly believe 
regardless of who won Toronto Boston, I think they'd be dispatching Tampa Bay in round two, and I still feel that way. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the roller coaster series that the that uh, the Bruins and the Maple Leafs went through, I think the winner that's the equipped downs of a Tampa Bay series. Whereas the Bolts beating New Jersey team that, to be perfectly honest, I think everyone who put money on it expected them to beat. Yeah. Nothing was guaranteed in the Bruins Leafs series in round one. And uh, just the fight that the Bruins showed in game seven, we'll get to later on. Um, I, I really think that uh, Boston's more equipped to take this series than Tampa Bay is. And I, I think, um, I think Boston's got the edge defensively as well, but um, I think it's going to come down to goaltending too. Um, if Vasilevsky's better than Rask, then I think Tampa's got a legit shot yeah. at winning it. But uh, I think Rask has got to be better than Vasilevsky if the Bruins want to win. Yeah, I think um, that that is a good point. I mean, like all these series, it's all going to come down to goaltending, really. But um, yeah, I think um, that that is a fair point. I like it. Does seem like the Lightning kind of uh, slowed down a bit at the towards the end of the season. I mean, so did the Bruins, but um, you know, it, it seems like the Lightning are like kind of regressing to the mean. Um, like they used to be so hot in October and November. If the playoffs were in that in that time period, then of course the Lightning would would be the Stanley Cup champions. But um, I'm not so sure if they uh, can sustain it. I think that's that's the biggest knock on the Lightning is if they can just get it back to what they were early on in the season. Um, and that I'm not so sure about. But, um, yeah, you're right. Like, Vasilevsky, we've talked, to, we talked at length about how he's been claiming that he's fatigued um, and... Um, and, you know, this is where it's going to matter the most. But at the same time, I, I don't want to count them out, per se, because um, I th- still think this is going to be a, um, a fun series and it's going to be a lengthy one, for sure. Um, even though the Bruins uh, took Game 1 on the road, which was a big win, um, and the Bruins also have the uh, season, I think they've beaten the Lightning three, t- three times out of four. Um, yeah, this season. Like uh, so they kind of have their number. Uh, the Bruins have the Lightning's number in this um, in the season, and I think even last year they did as well. But um, yeah, so it's um, it's uh, you know, but even still, I, w- I wouldn't count the Lightning out. I think this could go um, t- to seven, but I'm going to say the Bruins are going to beat the Lightning. Um, I will say though that. Like the like at the start of the playoffs, I was only like for for the Bruins' sake, I was only like scared of like maybe three teams, um, four teams. Uh, the Lightning were one of them. Um, the other three are still in the playoffs. The Penguins and the the Jets and the Predators are also going to be scary as well, um, and maybe the Knights, the Golden Knights as well. So uh, there's a couple of other scary teams that. I'm not so sure the Bruins could stack up against them, but um, yeah, the, the Lightning are—they um, are a force, but at the same time, they are beatable at the same. So, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I did mention Game One. Um, I do kind of want to uh, gloss over some stuff. 
Um, this won't be a Bruin Sen segment, but I do want to talk about um, the fact that Rick Nash finally got on the board. This is why the Bruins got him um, in the first oh, what place. A killer shot, too, eh? Yeah. Well, one was the a deflection off of a Pasternak shot, so that was in the first period, and then in the second period, he like he does shoot it from like the blue line basically, um, and that was nice. And it was also like uh, Krejci was covering uh, Vasilevsky's vision, so um, so that was nice too that Nash was able to be accurate there, and it's it's nice to see that he's finally able to get on the board. It was also funny seeing that Dan Girardi, um, of all people, uh, got a goal. It was just a weird time, I'm sure. Rangers fans are are thrilled for the series because not only do they have both the Bruins and the Lightning's first-round pick, but they also have to see... Um, the Lightning basically are the Rangers south now, if you didn't know. They have Callahan, uh, Girardi... Now they have McDonough, J.T. Miller, um, and I think, oh, and Strawman. So that's five Rangers. Um, and two former captains, not to mention. And yeah, two former captains, because McCallahan and McDonough. But, um, yeah, so uh, that's kind of funny. And then you have Rick Nash on, on the Bruins side. So um, it, it is kind of funny scene, I'm, I'm sure, for all the Rangers fans out there. Um, but um, Don't forget Nick Holden as well. Oh yeah, good point. But he doesn't play a ton. Um, no, no, you're right. He's he's not as notable a name, but still yeah. played on the Rangers, and now True. he doesn't. True, but he's a healthy. But I'm just saying, is he is he was a healthy scratch. Yeah, he's he's one of the he's one of the Bruins' death guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and then um, the other two things that I want to touch up on. Uh, one, there was a crazy incident in the second period where Mikhail Sergachev, or well, first off, Rask like skate. Um, got, like, knocked off, so Rask couldn't skate. And he was trying to get the attention of the refs, um, and he couldn't do it. And, like, he was tapping his stick, and he was doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, they were still going on, and then all of a sudden, Mikhail Sergachev scores the goal. Um, By the way, that is against the rules, that if if there's an equipment malfunction like that... um, you have to stop play right there, especially something like a blade that's out there on the ice. I mean, uh, now if, if the goal was scored, would that that would would that mean they automatically disallow it? Yeah, they should have. The they should have disallowed it like right away, but they didn't even review it, which I was furious about. Um, and I was just like hoping, like, oh god, like let's just hope that the Lightning don't win this by one goal because that that shouldn't have been allowed in the first place, and they should have reviewed it. Yeah, it shouldn't, shouldn't you know. have been a turning point in the game. No. Exactly. So I was I was just furious because it's just, like, that shouldn't have been a goal. It, like, I, like, it was just annoying because if you don't, I mean, I'm sure you know as a goalie, and, I mean, I can only know just by watching, but, like, the fact that, like, like skating around like that, you can't really push off easily. Um, around the net, so if you don't have your blade in one of your skates, you can't. You, you're very limited. I mean, it's also a, dang- a safety risk as well. But um, I mean, it's just a blade, really. So I don't know if <laughs> there's that much of a safety risk. But um, that's that's the technically the reason why that sh- that goal shouldn't have been allowed. I was just more c- confused as to why they couldn't just review that goal. Like 
you can review goalie interference. You can <laughs> you can review offsides, but like if if like I mean I so guess blatantly obvious. No, we yeah, can't do that. I know, but like it just uh, it was just so weird. Like why didn't the like why didn't they just call it off? Because they could have just reviewed it. It didn't make sense. Um, I mean, I guess it's because it's such a fluke thing that can happen. I don't think this says. I haven't seen this in my days of watching hockey. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people can say the same thing. So, you know, so maybe that has something to do with it, where it's like, um, where because this is such a rare occurrence that maybe they like they figure they it's not reviewable, but that should definitely be reviewable. So maybe that's something that the NHL fixes in the off season or um, does something about it, but. Um, that should be reviewable because, like, you know, like, there was also, I was looking on Twitter, too, is, like, in hindsight, what Rast should have done is he should have just taken his helmet off or uh, knocked the, the pegs off of the goal. Um, you would have got, he would have gotten a penalty, but it would have been better than, you know. Right, exactly. What and, would and actually happen. You know, that's that's super easy, you know. Right. It's just like, hey, the net's off, and the right. ref will immediately pull the play dead. It's just like, no escape play, nah, no big deal. You can you can still move around. Yeah, and at the same time, it's like um, if you're um, a uh, if you're a um, what was I going to say? I bl- I'm blanking on what I was going to say, but yeah, it's... I also love how two can. Just like emphasize the point. It's just like, look what I got in my hand. Ah, yeah, yeah. Throw it the right. Legs. There's like a famous like picture a, now. Just like flashbacks to like that incident in the AHL where he, oh, yeah, he where just he throws some milk throw, just tossed a milk carton yeah, out yeah. of the ice. Um, yeah, there's a, um, yeah, it was kind of funny when you saw that he was holding a blade and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then he like, throws it. There's actually a meme on Twitter where it was, where, where he was holding it like, where, where someone uh, saw him, like, he was holding it like a wand, and then they just had the caption, Expecto Patrona, or right, whatever there the was thing a lot of, Potter is. Yeah, there was a lot of memes on that on that photo. Yeah. Um, Probably will be for years, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then another thing that I, I do want to mention, oh, first off, well, actually two things now. Uh, David Pasternak is uh, pretty good. Um, he has, uh, he now has, like, I think he has like fourteen, like sixteen points in eight games this postseason, um, which is incredible. Um, and uh, and then also um, and also that top line. Oh, he has seventeen points in the first uh, eight games, and um, so that that's pretty good. Um, but uh, also, and Marshawn and Bergeron have thirteen and eleven. Um, they've combined, I guess if I can do quick math, that's tw- uh, 31 points, um, so f- combined. Um, and I think they were saying, like, it was something like if they don't play well, um, if they don't get any points, then the Bruins lose. But if they do get points, then the Bruins win by yeah. a lot. It's like, well, so duh. So in, in reality, it's, it's just like when you when you look at their stats and yeah. you say, what was it, like 17 points in eight games, you said? Yeah, 17 points for Pasternak. So, Ber- so Marshawn has 13, Bergeron has 11. that's 17 points in five games, right? Yeah, 17 points in five games. Why five Ridiculous. games? Oh, you mean the five games that they've won. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because right. he, he was held pointless in the three that they lost. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, so there's that. I also want to shout out to uh, Jake DeBrusque, because he had this shift where he was like, um, he first was like, he was, first he was hit, um, and then he was down to the ground, he got back up, then he blocks a shot, then he like, it looks like he's injured, he's limping around, but he's still like, he's trying to get it out of the zone, um, and then he does this like diving play at the end there uh, to get the, the, finally get the puck out of the zone. So it says a lot about his work ethic that he can, um, I, I, I'll save this rant later. I hate when guys play injured, um, so it's good to, but at the same time, I'll take exception for this because that showed a ton of hustle and something that's just hockey tough where um, he just, uh, you know, he just goes all out um, even when he's, he's hurt. Because, I mean, at that kind of situation, there's nothing he could do because he had to play while he was hurt. Um, and, like, he went to the bench right after. And then he scored a goal um, later on. For some reason, the uh, this I don't understand is uh, the, the Lightning were down by three and uh, there were six minutes left, and they uh, John Cooper, for some reason, uh, decided to to pull the goalie. Um, it didn't make sense. Six minutes, like, I understand if you pull the goalie in, like, two minutes, that can work, And but, like, you're down by three, um, and you're not really getting that much of an advantage. I guess it's... I guess the thinking was is that he was up there on the power play, so you get like a, but like even if you pull a goalie at that point, I still think it's a one man advantage. So it's not like you get two man advantages if you pull the goalie on a power play. So um, it was just a strange coaching move by Cooper to pull the goalie when it's something that you could just easily have avoided. I know you were down by three, so you're desperate, but still, it's that's just crazy to me and i guess it's you know you know a power play that tampa bay has had that's been yeah. so dominant all year you know i guess i guess uh, at that point you're just like you know what do you got to lose right quick right. strike offense you know uh if it, if it if it backfires on us while we were down by three anyways so right it was just um, uh, i just i just i still didn't understand it because it is a yeah, risk no i don't understand it either but yeah. i could i could maybe understand why he decided to do it you know if he had that much faith in his power play i guess i don't know but it's still it's not like i can understand if you get like two people on your power play um if you pull the goalie but he didn't even get that he has you know, he only had one guy, so that I just didn't understand. Um, and but, anyways, Jake DeBrusque ended up uh, scoring on that empty netter, um, even though there was six minutes left in the game. So, um, so yeah, there was there was that. Um, but yeah, I don't think that I don't think this series is over, um, even though the Bruins did uh, um, pretty well on the first in the first game. I just. Uh, I, I wouldn't call. I I should learn from the Toronto series that just because the Bruins are crushing um, teams in the first you know couple games, that doesn't mean that this series is over. But I'll I'll stop fanboying for a second, and we'll talk about the other series. Um, Washington and Pittsburgh, which is going on right now, I believe it's one nothing Caps. Um, but um, 
Yeah, so uh, this one was, uh, this is kind of like the uh, the famous, like, we've all been anticipating this, this series, even at the start of the season, because, like, this has been a thing for the Capitals, is that they've never been able to beat the Penguins whenever they've played them in the in the, in the playoffs. I'm, of course, now recently considering this is all about the division stuff, so um, they're more likely to meet each other um, right now in the playoffs. Um, Don't and, you find this is kind of like Golden State-Cleveland, where it's yeah. the rivalry that, at this point, it's just like, yeah, whatever, we've seen it enough. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is kind of interesting. However, I do think it is more, it is a little less like that, considering first... The, the NBA, that's like a championship game. So that's, you know, it's always yeah. exciting. And secondly, it's well, like... it's just like three time, three years in a row they've met in the second round. Well, no, I was about to say... But yeah, but like the like two, two of them, the Warriors have won, and one of them, the Cavaliers won. So it's not even like, you know, where this in this case it's just like, oh, well, the Penguins are going to win this because they have for the past couple years. Um, so, um, you know, the Penguins... Talk about getting having someone's number. Uh, the Penguins have the Capitals' number. Um, so, but you know what? I'm going to be kind of crazy here. I think this could be the year that the Capitals finally get over this hump of beating the Penguins. Um, I I kind of I I said this last week, but I would think it's I would think it would be really funny if the Capitals finally get past this second round hump. Because that's been the thing where Ovechkin can't hasn't uh, gone past the second round in his entire career. Um, it would be really funny if he makes it to the conference finals and then he loses to the Lightning or the Bruins um, in the conference finals. Because you know the main goal in the Stanley Cup final is to you know get a win you know win a Stanley you know win the Stanley Cup, but. Um, it would just be funny if uh, they finally get over this hump, but then they lose in the conference finals um, somehow. But, um, yeah, I think... But anyways, back to my own prediction. I think the Capitals could actually pull this off. I know, like, I'm not... I know they they lost game one um, in a pretty bad... That was a pretty bad game for them because they were up by two, um, and then the Penguins just scored three in the in the third. But... Um, I, I don't know. I think the, the Capitals, uh, and they're definitely a worse team, just depth-wise speaking. Um, but I think the, uh, the, the Capitals, um, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't take too much to the history aspect of things. And I feel like the Capitals could have a chance of, of being the Penguins this year. So, uh, what, what do you say about this series? Well, I, I definitely think they have a chance, but they're not going to do it. I oh, say wow. Pens in seven. I've I made it very clear I have trust issues with the Caps nowadays. Um, I will give them credit. They do have glimmers of hope, though, uh, because in games one and two of the Columbus series, they had good starts to the game. Yeah. And, they, and it looks like uh, you said one nothing Caps at the start of game two. Yeah, it is. So that bodes well in their favor. And in game one of the series um, versus Pittsburgh, because Netsov scores 17 seconds in. Yep. So... They're definitely getting off to good starts. That's nice. And what's even more encouraging for Washington is that Pittsburgh has surrendered 6.3 odd man rushes per game during the regular season. 
the most of any team in the NHL, and that's not a good stat to be on top of. Yeah. Um, and it should be known in the first period of game one, they surrendered five alone. Yeah. So I, I definitely think if you're the Caps, there's a lot to say, you know what, this year may be our year. This year might be the year we finally beat these guys. However, it should be noted in game one that if Kenny Malkin and Carl Hagelin were both absent, and the Penguins still won 3-2 yeah. because the Caps blew a 2 nothing lead. And that's been the calling card for the Caps is like whenever they have a lead, um, you just wonder, okay, yeah. um, this is probably not going to last for much longer. And in the Columbus series, so we saw a numerous amount of times where they lost the lead and they have to go to overtime to settle right. a winner. Yeah, I was about to say this happened uh, to the whenever the, I think this happened both times, both for the first games of the um, of the, Columbus yeah, series, the Columbus series, where yeah. the Capitals were up by two, and then the Columbus came back to to win it. So yeah, and, and the Caps are up by two in Game One, and Pittsburgh scores three times in five minutes yeah. uh, to take the lead and eventually hang on to win the game. And what's even more. A problem for Washington is that Matt Murray's starting to look like his old self again. Right. Because there were a couple of times where he made some sprawling saves, yep. and those were game-saving stops to either keep the pens in it or uh, keep the pens ahead. Yeah. So the fact that Matt Murray is on his game, um, if Washington goes down especially 2 to nothing, um, they're in a very tough spot because Pittsburgh with the home crowd in games 3 and 4, I expect them to do some damage. Um, I should mention, though, when you talk about Matt Murray finally finding his game, how about Braden Holtby finally finding his game? Um, he, uh, I mean, he gave up three goals in the last two games against Columbus, and he gave up three goals in Pittsburgh, but, like, he uh, he won 4-1 in game four, um, and uh, and then he won in overtime, double overtime So uh, in game three. So there is... Something like you know this could kind of this kind of has the same kind of thing where if Holtby is on his game, which it seems like he might be, or he's getting close to that, um, I think there is something there where um, you know Holtby could be the difference maker. Um, it really all depends on if Holtby. I know Holtby has struggled this season um, just in general, but. Um, you know, if Holtby can get back to his old form, I think this could be a, a close series, and this could be the difference maker for the Capitals winning this game. Um, See, the thing series. with Braden Holtby is he didn't have to be the difference maker in Columbus because that was Columbus, and this is Pittsburgh. He is going to have to outduel Matt Murray. He can't just be his old self. He needs to outduel Matt Murray yeah. because he is going up against not only Evgeny Malkin, not only Sidney Crosby. But Jake frickin' Gensel has been a True. man possessed yeah. in round one and the early stages of round two. If he keeps going like this, yeah. I don't think even Holtby can stop him. True. Gensel had I was, yeah, Gensel had the uh had a hat trick in the game clinching games against the He had four Flyers. goals actually in that Oh game. yeah, yeah, four yeah, my bad. Four goals. And then he had uh three um three points um in game one. Um, against the Capitals, where he had two assists and one goal. Um, but yeah, it looks like Jake Gensel's like Mr. Playoffs, because he was he was like really good last year in the playoffs as well. So um, it seems like uh, Gensel has find, found his game, in a sense, as well. Um, but yeah, it's, um, 
it should be interesting to see. I, by the way, Gensel has 16 points, so one point below David Pasternak, and Crosby has 15 points. Um, we should mention that Malkin is injured. I don't think he's playing today either, um, so that's going to be an issue for the, the Penguins if if Malkin is out for even longer um, than just yeah, these two games. I, I think Washington, they would get, they would get a good... Uh jolt to life there if uh, Malkin's out uh, for an extended period of time. Taking a look at the lineup here. Yeah, he's not playing. Um, uh, is he? No, he's not. I'm looking at the box scores right now. He's not playing. Okay, I'll be the... I'm going to take a look for myself. Not that I don't believe you. (laughs) Um, Will you? Can I go on to the next series while we wait, or... Uh, well, just taking a look at the box score, Ovechkin seventh at a minute twenty six. So, like, so like I said, good early start there for the Caps. Yep. Um, let's see. I'm looking at the box scores uh, right now. I, I, the, Mal, it says Malkin is not playing. Yep, he is not. You're right. Um, so that that could be a a key difference maker if Malkin is. Out. But it is kind of, it's always interesting when when this kind of stuff happens, because whenever Malkin gets injured, then Crosby steps up his game and vice versa. So, um, so it, like Crosby, you know, you still have to deal with Crosby and Kessel and all those guys. So, um, so there, sure. there is that. It's not like, it's still not an easy task, even if their best, one yeah. of their best players is out. So... I don't know. I guess it's arguable if Malkin is better than Crosby or not. But, anyways, that's another that's a discussion for another time. Uh, <laughs> this is a this this next series is the series that I'm looking the most forward to. Um, it's Nashville and Winnipeg. Um, the first, uh, just because I feel like these are like two te- powerhouses, basically. The the Jets um, and the Predators both have. Phenomenal uh, forwards. They have phenomenal defensemen. Um, although I guess the Predators have more better defensemen than the Jets do, but you know the Jets still have like Truba and Bufflin, um, and even Tyler Myers for a bit. But um, and then uh, of course the Predators have like the the jam packed of Dujosi, Subban, Ellis, and Ekholm. So um, that's that's a tough core to. Uh, that's like the best core and decor in in the league, um, but and they also have a coach in Peter Laviolette that's made yep. it to the Stanley Cup Finals with uh, three times, and I believe on three different teams as well. Yeah, and um, but the and then of course you have um, you know Hellebuck and Rene who are both Vezina candidates. I mean, we'll get to mm-hmm. that in a second, but um, and then you have. Um, you know, on the Jets side, you have Shifley, Wheeler, um, Line, Little, uh, even Ellers, and Kyle Connor has kind of gotten in the mix a bit. Um, and then on the other side, you have, of course, you have Forsberg, Ardvidsson, uh, Johansson. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's a bunch of other players I'm blanking on. Um, Viola Turris. Viola Turris. Although I feel like Turris hasn't has been absent um, or invisible this year. Yo- I said Johansson, I think. I, I 
think I think like um, Paul Stastny of the Jets, Kyle Turris yeah. could be that X factor for True. Nashville. That's just like you wake him up. He could yeah. he could really make a statement here. Same, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, Stastny as well. Um, even um, I wonder what happened to Ely Tolvin, and it doesn't seem like he's playing. Um, yeah, I know. He's he's kind of just been like. Yeah. If he's if he's just there, he's just there. Like yep. yeah, I haven't really heard from him on the ice. Yeah, I'm. This has no, like I had this. So my prediction is. Oh, by the way, it's now two nothing Capitals. My prediction at this, even before game one, was that the uh, I had the I think the Jets are gonna win this one. Um, even beforehand, I still I I don't know. I feel like the. Um, I feel like the they finally have a good goalie, above average goalie in Hellebuck, and I feel like that could be the difference because you know we they definitely have the forwards there, they definitely have the defensemen there, and like the fact that like the Predators could barely beat the Avalanche when we all thought it was going to be easy, it kind of just shows that maybe the uh, maybe the Predators aren't as good as we thought they would be. Um, and so there may be something to it where the Jets are that team to actually um, to beat the Predators. Um, they have a pretty good chance at doing it because, um, or oh, actually I should get your thoughts on this series before I talk about Game 1. <laughs> okay. Well, in, in my opinion, until Nashville or Winnipeg prove me wrong, Nashville is still the favorite to win this series. I think it goes seven either way. I'm just going to go out and say this. I think all the series are going to be determined by seven games because they're okay. just that close to call. Um, but I think this one, like like um, Toronto-Boston, is the equivalent of a coin toss. You never yeah. know who's going to win this series. Uh, but I think just Nashville's experience alone, I, I don't see that Nashville team in that Colorado series at all. But I know that they're there, and they're going to show up, and they're going to win this series. And if you look at what happened to to Colorado, game five, the Hamburglers stole that game. And you know what happened in game six? Nashville continued to press, and they got rewarded, and they were up four to nothing after two periods, and they salted it away in the third. And I, I expect in game two, we're going to talk about how game one was. Nashville, offensively, way more one-sided than Winnipeg. Nashville took it to Winnipeg in the first. They kept it going in the second. The Jets were just too opportunistic. They, The Jets cannot rely on Connor Hellebuck like that, like they did in game one. Yeah, That's absolutely true. ridiculous to win a series like that. Nashville is going to find their ways of scoring goals. Yeah, And if they continue to get chances like that, they will get rewarded. It's only a matter of time. I still think Nashville's got the experience. They've got the depth to get this done. It's going to take seven games. It will not be easy. But that Nashville team we saw last year is going to come back, and they're going to make themselves known in round two. Yep. So uh, Steve mentioned it before. Hellebuck had a phenomenal game. He stopped 47 shots um, and only let up one goal. Um, he was basically a god. Um, I think... That could, at the same time, like, you're right, this, you know, you can't really rely on Hellebuck all this time. But at the same time, it's like, you know, this is how, like, last year, Rene basically was uh, standing on his head. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, all these, like, playoff runs, like, that's what you need. You need a hot goalie. And Hellebuck is, 
is doing that at the at this moment is he, he's really hot. Um, so I, I will give I will give uh, this to the Jets if Helvick plays like he did in Game One. Nationals in trouble. Well, of course. I mean, um, but uh, yeah. So I think there is something to that. Um, but um, yeah. So he was the star of this of the show, but. I do want to say that, uh, let's see here, uh, Tanev and Stasny scored, and then Shifley got two goals, um, and then Fiala got a goal in the third period. Um, it was almost a shutout, but, um, yeah, you're, you're right. When the, there is, like, a, like, you know, Nashville had 48 shots on goal, so, um, you know, and then Winnipeg only had 19, um, so... Well, you, you look at the... Breakdown of when the goals yeah. happened. By the end of the first, it was twenty to four for Nashville. Yeah. When I believe Winnipeg got their second goal it was thirty-one to seven Nashville. Yeah. Thirty-six to sixteen after two when Winnipeg was up three nothing. Yeah. And then like you said, forty-nine shots by the end of the game. That's ridiculous. Forty-eight. But yeah, you're right. It, it yeah. is. It is ridiculous. And you know, I I, I don't think Nashville will have 48 goal shots every single game. But, like, you could say the same for Winnipeg. I don't think they'll have 19 shots every game either. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I think those those shot totals will even out more or less um, once we get more into the series. But I do agree with you. I do think that um, the, the, you know, the series is going to go till 7 and... I, I do agree. I don't think they the Jets can rely of, on Hellebuck this entire season, this entire series. That's just not how it works because Nashville is too good for just ha- for that. So, um, but at the same time, you know, you still have you know Winnipeg is good in its own right. They have Shifley, Line, um, Ellers, Connor. Um, Wheeler, I forgot about Wheeler for some reason. So, like, you know, they can they can get the scoring going at the same time, and um, you know, maybe maybe there is something. I don't know. I I just feel like the Jets are are have the you, advantage. You just get now. that vibe that this is their year where yeah. they're going to make a monster playoff run. Yeah, I think so, and they have a. You know, and they're they're kind of built in the same way as Nashville is. I mean, yeah. they're less. They have, uh, to their credit, they don't have. You know, to I guess that's not the right phrase, but <laughs> to like, of course, uh, Nashville has a better defensive corp, but at the same time, like the Jets, I feel like the Jets have a better forward group, and it's gonna come come down to just the goalies, um, in in that sense. And you know, I feel like. Guys like Patrick Laine, Ellers, Wheeler, and Shifley um, can can outdo can like beat Rene, um, whereas you know Nashville doesn't have a ton of forwards. But you know it's definitely possible for sure because you know Forsberg, Turris, uh, Arvidsson, those guys are no joke to say the least. Uh, I think. Uh, Winnipeg needs to win at least one more game in Nashville, though, if they want to win this series. Because yeah. they can't win this series just on that one road win alone. Yeah. Actually, all three of these series that we've talked about, the road team has won the first game. So that's kind of an interesting... Um, yeah. So that's good news for Winnipeg, I suppose. Yeah, it's true that both Pittsburgh and Boston have won their, the the away the away game as well. So... Um, 
So there is an interesting thing. And I know that they they always say it's like it's not a serious series until um, until the road team wins. And all three of those road teams have won already. So um, it's interesting there. Um, and then we go to our last um, series, which is the only one so far that has played two full games. Um, the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks. Um, they uh, yes, they played tonight. Uh, they played on Thursday, and then they also played on Saturday as well. Um, the um, the I don't know. This is we kind of previewed this last week um, because we knew that this was going to happen. But um, it is. Um, I guess we can just go to the recap if we want. But um, yeah, the Knights are you know the the Cinderella story. Even though they're the first ranked team, um, they're one of the better teams in this league. But they seem to be the you know the underdog story. Um, but uh, so they they won game one seven to nothing. Um, and then the, the, uh, Sharks won game two in overtime, giving the Golden Knights their first playoff loss in, in franchise history. Um, or should I say quote unquote loss because apparently in the first overtime Vegas thought they had won that game. Yeah, but it was funny cause, well not funny, but the, the goal, the goal, there was goalie interference call there and that should have been called cause that was goalie interference. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of funny because um, we all thought like, oh, well, Vegas won in overtime, and then it turns out that they that was called back, and then we got more overtime, so that that was always nice to see. But um, yeah, and then the Sharks won um, game two in that. But um, yeah, it, I don't know. I feel like I don't know what to say about the Golden Knights at this point. It's like I've stopped making sense of everything, and I don't know if this run is ever going to stop or not. Um, so I'm gonna, eh, I'm gonna say the Knights are probably going to win this series. Um, I know the Sharks have Brent Burns, and they have, um, you know, Evan, oh Evander. We also forgot to mention that Evander Kane. Uh, got suspended for one game for cross-checking. Um, I forget who it was exactly. I, I believe it was Belmar that he cross-checked, and he was out for game two, so now he'll be back for game three. Yeah, so uh, so they do have him back. Thomas Hurdle's kind of uh, come into his own a bit, too, but I I don't know. I feel like the, the goaltending for, like, I'm not, I'm not fully on board of Martin Jones. Um, I'm not sure if he's a great goalie per se, um, and uh, so so that that gives me pause for, to be fully in on the Sharks um, at this moment. Um, I'm not convinced that Martin Jones um, is the guy um, for the for the Sharks to go far in this playoffs. Um, so and you know Fleury has been on his game as well. He's he stopped 33 shots in the in the shutout. On um, in game one, and then I think he he had also had a pretty good game. Um, for, I mean, considering that he gave up four goals, but um, you know he's been good in the first round as well. Um, yeah, let me see here. I thought he saved. Oh yeah, so Flurry saved forty three shots, 
in game two, but you know that was also double overtime there. So, um, so you're you're going to have forty three shots, but um, but Martin Jones only saved twenty six in the in that game, um, and he let up three goals. So I don't know. I I think um, I think the Knights' goalie advantage um, with Flurry and Net has has the advantage in the series, and I think the Knights win this um, in six. I'm going to say six. I don't think it's going to go seven. <laughs> I think it's going to go seven, but I think Vegas wins. Um, oh, no, I said, I said the my, Knights my, my as well. Thoughts, my, my thoughts in the series, I can see San Jose winning, though, they uh, uh, for two reasons. Um, I, I for, said, starter, oh, for starters, there is, there is that game two OT win, double OT win. If you remember in that Vegas LA series where Vegas was absolutely owning overtime, a Vegas, uh, um, if you, if you take a look at the game itself, um, Pavelski and company are starting to get a little bit of the offensive swagger back. Um, but in the OT frame, Vegas outchanced San Jose 12 to four, and they were outchanced heavily, uh, in uh, the three periods before that. And instead, the Sharks somehow find a way to get a key goal from Logan Couture, and now they're going back home with the series tied at one instead of being down 2 nothing. Whereas if you look at where the Kings were, they were going home down two games to none, and all the pressure on them to win game three. Now there's not as much pressure on San Jose to win game three. I mean, there is still pressure because, you know, all of a sudden you're down 2-1 and you need to win game four. So yeah. I, I, I think, though, that San Jose's got a better chance now of winning this series than they would have for sure if they lost game two. And Vegas goes from not playing their best game, probably not deserving to win, and they still find a way to win, and they're up 2 nothing. Yeah. Uh, Instead of that, we have a tie series. It's a best of five, and anything can happen. Yeah. So I definitely think San Jose has got some edge there. I think they also have the edge that they have Evander Kane back, back for game three. Because prior to the start of game two, since arrival, since his arrival in the regular season, he was tied for first on the team in goals, second in scoring chances, first in shots on goal, and second in shots from the slot. Yeah. In the playoffs, tied for first in goals on the team, third in scoring chances, First in shots on goal, tied for second when it comes to slot shots. So he's a big piece of their team. And if he can get going, Vegas has got their work cut up for them. However, I still think Vegas has a chance to win this series simply because of their speed and how they utilize their speed. Um, If you look at these playoffs, they average 8.8 rush scoring chances per game in all situations. 1.4 1.4 better than second place Washington, 1.5 better than third place Winnipeg. Yeah. This is a very, very fast team to go up against. And when you look at the kind of start that they had in game one and how they were utilizing their speed, they were up 4 nothing after one period. Seven different people scored a goal, and not one of them was 40-goal scorer William Carlson. Like, this, this team is so loaded as far as speed and offense goes, they can take over a game in one period. Yeah, and the sharks have got to be ready for that. Yeah, that that that's true. I I did say knights and seven. I didn't say sharks and seven. I was just uh, no. You, you said 
pretty sure you said the Knights in six. Oh, uh, I would yeah, say oh, Knights yeah. in seven. Oh, right, right. <laughs> I thought you. I did say. Oh, yeah, I did say Knights in six. We're, but, we're both in agreement that Vegas is going to win. We just oh, yeah. you just think it's going to take one less game than I think. Oh, right, right. But what what you said is like I I think I I can see the Sharks winning this series because they won Game Two and they got some momentum and they got Evander Kane back. Yeah. But on the other hand, Vegas is a very fast team, and I still think they're the favorites. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's just what you said was that. Like, oh, I think it's going to go seven, and I think it's going to be... But I think it's going to be the Knights, which implied that I thought the Sharks were going to win. But, anyways. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I, yeah, uh, if, if that's what I meant to say, disregard that. I still think Vegas will win. Yeah, no. I just think it'll take one more game. It may have been my own my own comprehension <laughs> fault. Um, so, let, uh, we're actually 50 minutes in, so um, we're going to have to power through the rest of the stuff. Um Briefly discuss all these eliminated teams. Toronto got out. There was this game seven. Um, they blew a lead again. Um, they were up. However, it wasn't like a four-one lead. Um, you know, they were. They kept on going. They kept on uh, going up by one goal, and they were up by. Uh, I think this happened three times, um, and then to, as a Bruins fan, I was just nervous the entire way. Especially in the like, I was I had lost all hope in the until the third period where I was just like, I don't know, man. I feel like the Maple Leafs are gonna do it and all that stuff. And poor Jake Gardner for uh, he it seems like he's being blamed for uh, this uh, this collapse um, when it really you know I don't know. I feel like it's not necessarily his fault, although to be he, fair, he took a lot of it in the post game though. Yeah, and then he owned up to it, so that was that was like good to hear. I just like it's just the they said that he had a minus five in the playoffs uh, in in that game, and uh, I just don't like plus minus in general. Um, and I don't know. I feel like some of the maybe some of the goals weren't necessarily Gardner's fault. Like on the fifth one, though, by yeah. Nebraska. That's true, but like DeBrus made a good play on there um, to to score that goal. It wasn't like like you know DeBrus had to put in that eff- extra effort. Um, it wasn't like Gardner did anything particularly off to uh, to get to get wrong. It wasn't like Mar- like that uh, goal that uh, Kapanen had. Um, it wasn't like Marshawn like Marshawn fell. That was Marshawn's fault. Like he should have been covering him, but he just fell. Whereas, like, Garner, like, you know, DeBrus just skated past him. I guess that is, that is a defensive fault in that sense. But, I don't know. I feel like DeBrus made a good move there instead of, like, Garner was um, was just out of the play or did something wrong. Yeah. But, um, but maybe that's just me and um, I don't know. Um, but, um, but, yes, the... Uh, uh, but anyways, uh, it seems like the, the Maple Leafs are kind of in good shape somewhat. Um, you know, they still have Austin Matthews, Nylander, and Marner for a couple more years. Um, Although they will need to sign Nylander after, uh, in sure. the offseason, though. Nylander's an RFA, and I think they could do a similar thing to what the Oilers did with McDavid for Matthews, and I'm sure he's going to get a big contract this year um, for, for next year, for, you know, 2020. 
Um, but, um, yeah, that's true. Nylander uh, will probably get some money, um, so a contract, because he was one of their better players. Um, and then, of course, it was like reported that Matthews is going to miss the Worlds um, because he said that he wasn't 100%. This shouldn't be too surprising if you watched any of the games in this series. Um, it's, it, didn't see, it seemed like he was off, and he was... I mean, I know Bergeron and Marshawn are good defensively, but he shouldn't, like, shut down Matthews the entire time. It really was only, like, game two, it seemed like Matthews had something going. But it is impressive that he was able to play injured like that because he was, you know, he was able to score some goals, but it did seem for the most part it, he wasn't truly effective like we know that he should be. Um, so... Um, it is kind of sad as an American because I would have liked to see Patrick Kane, Goudreau, and Eichel and Matthews all on the same team because I didn't get to see that um, in the Olympics. But um, at the same time, it's like it, it's understandable for Matthews um, to not play in the Worlds. Um, but yeah, yeah. I would have also liked to see Taylor Hall and Connor McDavid on the same team again, but that's not going to happen because Taylor Hall is skipping out. So. Oh, is he also? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was actually thinking about this. Like, I might actually watch the Worlds just because I didn't get, like, you know, they didn't do the Olympics. Um, I mean, of course, you're not going to get, like, the guys like Wheeler and Kessel. and um, uh, But, like, you know, Goudreau and Kane and Eichel, those those guys aren't bad. Um, Dylan Larkin. Um, the, uh, um, I don't know if you have anything to, more to say on Toronto. Yeah, I, I do have a couple of things. Okay. Um, full, full credit to the Bruins, though. Like, four goals in the third period. Like, we've studied the Bruins long enough to know that they play some of their best hockey sometimes when their backs are up against the wall, especially in the third period. They're probably one of the best third-period teams in the league this year. So it shouldn't be as much of a surprise that Boston came back. But I think... And and I and I uh, watched uh, the latest uh, video from Steve Dangle. He does these leap fan reaction videos after every yeah. game, and he went pretty in depth with this one. And he said, "This hurts more than 2013 because that team, in 20, according to him, was just lucky to get where they were." Yeah. This year, everyone expected the Leafs to do good. They expected the Leafs to go deep in the playoffs. And they suffered through those years of pain. They built through the draft. They got good. Now I think they got to learn from their failures. Yep. And I would classify this as a failure because they were expected to win last year. Or True. this year. Last year against Washington. I don't know. I feel like. Last year against Washington, though, like, you know, they made it close. But, like, did anyone really predict they were going to beat the Caps? No, but, like, here's the thing. I feel like last year was. Like, they weren't even supposed to be good last year, like, and then this year was supposed to be the year where they actually make their mark on stuff. Yeah. So, I feel like they, they're they still ahead of schedule. Um, they just need to figure they're out their ahead. defense. Yeah, they're definitely it, ahead of schedule, but I do think they missed a golden opportunity. And I don't know, their window is still um, wide open, man. They, like, you know, Matthews is 20 years old. He, he has plenty of time to... Um, to do this. If they lose another first round, then yes, I agree with you. I think then it's a lost opportunity like next year. But I, I don't think you can say necessarily that their window, like they um, they lost, they should have, you know, <laughs> that they should have gone far 
you know. Well, I'll, I'll explain in a sec why it's a lost opportunity, but I think they lacked that killer instinct too, because when Kapanen scored that beauty short-handed goal to yeah. put the Leafs up four three in the second, Boston had all the momentum on their side of the tennis court. Like they were the better team at that point, in my opinion. And Boston or Toronto? Wait, Toronto was the better team. Was kind of opportunistic with the chances that they got. Oh yeah. And while the Leafs had fight, they lacked finish. Yep. Like, they get an early power play goal from Marlowe, they toss it away because they get a power play goal scored against them a few minutes later. They tie it at two with about a minute to go in the first, and then Bergeron scores to make it 3-2 Boston in the final minute. Yep. And then four unanswered in the third following that captain goal. That captain goal, in my opinion, if they are able to finish that game, that's a backbreaker right there. Yep. Short-handed. When yeah, your no. team is on the power play and you give up a goal like that, like I really thought the Bruins looked deflated after that. Yep. But full credit to them, they fought back, but the Leafs didn't do their job. They didn't finish. And now on top of that, lose at least two or three of the following list of players. Thomas Pekanitz, Tyler Bozak, James Van Riemsdyk, and Leo Komarov. And that is the missed opportunity because a lot of those guys aren't going to be back next year, yep. which means the guys that they do have are going to be expected to carry the load. But on that on that end, only James Van Riemsdyk seemed to really matter um, at the end there. I mean, Placanic kind of did, but like I mean, like once he was on the second line when, but they also had Kadri there to replace him. Um, he was, you know, he only had a bigger role um, when Kadri was out. Um, but I feel like they they can afford to lose Bozak and Komarov and Plakanic even. Um, but like you know, and they can afford, and that also means that they can spend all their more money on their defensemen, um, which I think is their biggest issue. I'm not Zaitsev wasn't good defensively. We already talked about Jake Garner. Uh, Ron Hainsey's 37 years old. He's going to be retiring soon. Uh, Like, Roman Polak isn't great um, either. He's going to be UFA as well. But I I feel like like what they really need to focus on in the offseason is just their defensemen. They already have, you know, they have Kadri, um, uh, you know, the, the other big three of Matthews, Nylander, Marner. It looks like Kapanen has shown signs of being a legitimate guy um, in the future. So, um, you know, they have a good forward group going there. Patrick Marlowe kind of showed his uh, sense there. Maybe he's not going to be as good considering he's 38 years old. But um, I feel like if they can sign James Van Riemsdyk, um, Zach Hyman was pretty good too. Um, So I'm just looking at their cat-friendly page, so I'm just like I'm off the walls here. But... I feel like, in that sense, I think they're they're okay on the forward group because they can afford to lose guys like Bozak, Polikanic, and Komarov, um, and all that stuff. Um, I just think that's they, true. But just yeah. to have that kind of depth along with that mixture of youth, yeah, that's not an opportunity that comes around very often. True, and that's why I think it was a missed opportunity. However, you mentioned about the prospects that they have. Yeah. I think it's a good time to evaluate a what players are going to be there for you in the long haul, and B, what players could help you get the players that you need now to be good. True. Not just now, but in a couple of years. Yeah. So I, I could... definitely think if they don't sign anyone, I think they do trade for some pieces to get better. 
Oh, I was because like... I, de- I definitely think now they realize that this team is not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. True. They need exp- they need more experience and they need to learn from this. And they also need to fix their defensemen. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking they could actually get uh, John Carlson because I know he's going to be the, he's going to be the big. Yeah, agent. that would be an interesting piece for yeah. sure. And Lou Lamorello, speaking of interesting pieces, it's not known if he's going to be keeping around yeah. next year. So. Uh, Blue Jet, uh, we have to really get going because we're yeah. we're not an hour. Uh, Blue it's Jet, a big, a big team. We have to, we had to talk a lot about. Yeah, so. it's fine. that's fair. I, I know uh, Roger Sportsman talks about the Maple Leafs all the time. So, oh yeah, because <laughs> uh, I wonder why. Oh yeah, they have the TV rights. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the TV yeah. rights to pretty much every primetime game, and it features well, the Leafs. That's why you should be happy that we're we're moving on from the Leafs. I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm happy to be talking about another team that isn't my Ottawa Senators, who really don't have too many good news true. going on right, lately. Right, right, so fair enough. Um, I do also want to say that Jake DeBrus had two goals in that game. Um, yeah. So um, so credit to him on on that game as well, uh, not just game one. Um, let's go to Columbus. Um, they, um, they, yeah, they lost to the Capitals in six. Um, it seems like, I don't know, I think they're also kind of in good shape as well. Um, you know, they don't have too many UFAs next year other than Jake Johnson and... Jack Johnson, and yeah, they, it's Jack probably Johnson. not coming back considering there was, like, trade rumors and, and stuff like that nearing the deadline. And Vanek, um, is the other one. Um, but yeah, the, uh, it seems like they have a good core going with Atkinson, Panarin, and, um, they also have their, uh, uh, like a first line center, um, that they, you know, finally to replace Johansson and Pierre-Luc Dubois. So, um, yeah, they have some good things going, cooking. Um, and of course, like you have Sergei Bobrovsky and we'll get to this in a second, but Wierenski, um, played injured, but, um. Yeah, that, that's just ridiculous. So he can't have as bad as I mean, he didn't even have a bad season, um, considering. But like, I think he had like thirty-five points, which isn't bad for a defenseman. But um, it's just crazy that he was playing injured. Um, my biggest pet peeve, um, if you didn't know. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say about Columbus per se, but. Well, I, I think that monster third period in Game 5 showed us that this team, at some point in the near future, is going to be destined for great things. And that 2 nothing series lead they had against the big dogs of the Metro is going to give them plenty of hope for the future. Yeah. But like I said with the Leafs, that killer instinct is still missing. Like, True. if they win OT in Game 3, I think they win that series. They didn't. Yeah. The Caps got new life, and they won the series themselves. So I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from this year. They got a young group, yeah. But I think everyone should be expecting big things from this group next year if they want to be Metro Division champions. I think they need to add another piece on defense. Like Jones and Rowenski were huge for them this year, yeah. but they need more, especially if they're going to be losing a guy like Jack Johnson. Uh, I think they got the offense, the depth they need to be successful. And like you said, guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois and Sonny Milano stepping up, that's huge for them. But I think they need to continue to see progress from those guys. Uh, Nick Foligno and Alexander Wenberg need to be better. They weren't up to snuff this year, in my opinion. Cam Atkinson needs to be consistent, consistently good throughout the year. 
and they need to lock up Panarin and Bobrovsky because after next year, they're going to need new contracts, and they're True. probably going to get every single penny they're going to be asking for. So um, I think they could be Metro Division champions of the future, but they need to do some things first before that happens. True. Um, Flyers are out. Um, seems like Claude Giroux didn't show up at the, in the playoffs, and that seems to be the big difference. Um, and same with Voracek as well. Um, but fortunately, uh, Sean Couturier did. Yeah, Sean Couturier did. And he was playing injured, too. Um, yeah. yeah. But, um, but they, needed, they needed more than just Couturier to, um, to beat the Penguins. Um, and Drew was the main reason why they were even in the playoff hunt to begin with. Um, and, they, um, and he just fell flat in the playoffs. So, um, I, I don't know. I think it is interesting how he moved to the right wing side of things. Or I guess he's now a left winger, right? He, he's no longer a center. He's not um, a center, yeah. I figure is it a, is he a left winger or a right winger now though? I can't remember. I think sure. I think Voracek is a right winger though. Okay, so I, I think, think Drew might be a left winger. I'll look uh, this up. Hold on. I'm not too sure about that. Um, but yeah, the uh, but yeah, I think the Flyers uh, they do have Carter Hart um, in their system, and I know uh, they also were. Uh, uh, I think, and oh, there's another goalie prospect that they have that's um, might be okay. There's uh, Alex Lyon. There's Anthony Stolarz. Stolarz, yeah, he was out indefinitely last year, and now he um, he might be their solution next year um, to wait for Carter Hart to be ready. Um, but yeah, I think the goaltending situation is going to be their biggest issue. Um, it doesn't yeah. look like they also have too many UFAs to worry about. Um, only The only one that's kind of big is Philippula. Philippula? I can't pronounce his name. Um, Philippula, yeah. And Matt Reed. Um, Oduya and Brandon Manning are also UFAs as well. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that being too big of a issue for them. Um it's good that uh, guys like Gosper and Profrov uh, had big seasons this sure. year, but they need to get more help on defense because Andrew McDonald in your top four is just not going to get it done, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, I think they need a, another blue line piece. Um, and secondly, you're right, goaltending. If Elliott and uh, the hybrid of Neuberth and Mrazek aren't going to get it done for you, find someone who will. Because yep. Carter Hart's not going to be ready uh, to be the guy that you want him to be for at least three to five years. Yeah, true. You, you, can't, you can't rush his development at all. Yeah, especially considering that the Flyers have had a history of having bad goalies. And um, you don't, yeah. like, this is like, I mean, Carter Hart is like a godsend for Philly. But at the same time, you don't want you don't want to rush him because, you know, things could go wrong if you if you mess up his development. Um, and then the Avalanche, and this was more of just like a, it was an honor to be in the playoffs, and they, it was quite impressive that they were able to pull, to bring the Predators, uh, to six games, um, but, um, so I don't think they have anything really to, like, worry about, it's just, it's just an honor that they were even able to even make the playoffs, so, um, so there's something to that, 
Um, having said all that, I, th- I, I think their biggest issue is their goaltending as well. Um, I mean, Varlamov was injured, and um, so was Eric Johnson, so that may have made a difference. And it would have been an cl- even closer series um, if those two guys were healthy. But, um, yeah, it seems like... But I, I don't know. I, I still feel like the defense... Well, maybe the de- defense needs more help than that. But um, we'll see how it goes. I, I do like the combination of McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. Uh, you just need to build the up that. The fact they were able to be as successful as they were and that McKinnon was nominated for a couple True. of awards without the services of Matt Duchesne for at least three quarters of that year, too. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I think it's, really like, true. that line is something that you can build off of, uh, just like the Bruins did yeah. with the Bergeron, Arshon, and Pasternak line. So, uh, so and they, they also have guys like uh, yeah. Tyson Yost and JT uh, Confer as true. well, or TJ Confer, uh, one, of, one of the TJJT Confer. <laughs> I think it's JT, <laughs> um, yeah. Stepping up at their games as, as well. But you're right, they need help on defense because Tyson Berry and Eric Johnson can't get it done all yeah. by themselves. And you better believe that uh, the Central is only going to get even tougher. So true. the Avs, while it was a pleasure to have them in the playoffs this year, if they want to return to the playoffs, they need to do some tweaking for their lineup. Yep. Uh, Claude Giroux was a left winger, by the way. Um, oh, there you go. Also, I forgot to mention that Nolan Patrick was uh, was uh, turned out to have a pretty good season in the second half of the season. So they do have something there for the Philly. Um, so that's something. And Konechny as well had a solid second half yeah, too. Can, so that's reassuring. Um, all right, let's go to the rapid fire. We have to. We're an hour thirteen. Um, Sabers get uh, the chance to draft Rasmus Dahlin, assuming that that's who they're going to draft, but. It's about like ninety nine percent. I know. <laughs> but, I mean, vintage Buffalo, if they have the first overall pick and they don't take Dallas. Well, no, it's just it was more like you know, it's like they win the draft lottery, but like, I mean, it's also it's like we know that they're gonna get Dowling, but it's also like it's not like official official yet. So um, yeah, you would assume they would go the smart route and take yeah. them. Yeah, uh, I should say there's ninety nine percent chance that they're gonna get Dowling. Um, yeah. The only reason why is because it's not official yet. But uh, anyways, yeah, so this is, uh, like, you know, the, the Sabres have finally got won the lottery. I know that they were tanking for McDavid. They were tanking for Ekblad. And, of course, Eichel and Reinhardt aren't terrible guys, but I'm sure they would rather have Ekblad and um, McDavid. Yeah, they're not the first overall picks, though. Exactly. And, you know, they had... Um, uh, Middle, they they dropped to fifth last year, and they ended up getting Casey Middlestead, who might be something. Um, and then you have Rasmus Dahlin, Ristolainen. Um, so you have the two Rasmuses on the defensive end, yeah. and um, you know all this time, you know they didn't really have a good defense, um, and that was like you know like it was a terrible defense, one, the worst in the in the league by far. And now you have a defenseman, like, of all the years to win the lottery, this was the perfect opportunity for the Sabres to get their guy. Um, and Darlene will be, uh, I have, you know, of course, if he meets the hype, you know, Darlene will be the the guy to, to help them out here. And, um, you know, along with Eichel, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's finally the Sabres have some hope. Um 
we'll see if if it, uh, if uh, Darlene meets that hope, though. Um, that's yeah, the only maybe, question. Maybe uh, they won't be so sick and tired of losing in Buffalo anymore because they'll yeah. actually be winning for a change. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think uh, they need to they need to figure out what their goaltending situation sure. is going to be like. And I know that's a common theme, but I just don't know if Robin Leonard's going to cut it over there. Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, they do need to figure out their goaltending situation, but this is maybe like, maybe, yeah. maybe this maybe this uh, transaction helps with that. True. Maybe this finally allows Robin Leonard to be the goalie that everyone's hoping he'd be. So. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Carolina picks second, and Montreal picks third. Um, I was kind of worried there for a second because I thought Montreal was going to get Darlene, but at least they'll get third. The funny thing about this is that. There isn't really a center prospect, um, like a top-end center prospect. Uh, I know Sevenishov and Svech, uh, I can't pronounce his name. Svechnikov. Svechnikov. Um, and uh, Zadina, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, yeah. Those two are like wingers, um, but um, and that's something that Montreal desperately needs is centers. Um, they don't need any more wingers. So I do kind of wonder if maybe Montreal's going to trade this third pick and maybe to just to get like a top line center. Um, that could be possible, um, but um, but yeah, it was also I was also kind of hoping that Carolina would get the top pot, the top you know Darlene, just because it's like it's just funny because no one wants to be the GM there. Um, and if they ended up getting Darlene, then it would be, uh, it would just be funny that no one wants to GM the, the pick that has this, like, transcendent, uh, defenseman, apparently, supposedly. So, it would just be funny if Carolina still couldn't find a GM and a coach now. So, uh... uh here, here's a plot twist for you. The New York Islanders have got the 11th and 12th overall picks oh, in yeah. this draft. Because of that Calgary pick. Uh, for yeah. uh, Hammond. Here, here, here's here's my plot twist here. Imagine if the uh, talks with John Tavares pan out. Like by by that I mean they don't work out at all. Yep. Imagine if they figure out a blockbuster trade where the Isles trade Tavares to Montreal, hmm. and then they get that top three pick along with their eleventh and twelfth pick. Like they got three picks in the top fifteen. So you're saying that they trade Tavares for those two picks just so that they could no, go to just the for, No, like like Tavares like for the for the number 3 pick on like it would it would it wouldn't just be that one for one straight up. There would right. there would be some other um there would be some other things they'd I have just, to work out because Montreal cap wise I don't think they could afford it. But true. if they couldn't trade if they couldn't sign Tavares, why not trade him? Like, get yeah. something good for him. It's a good point. Yeah, you could trade. I'm, just, I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's just something to think about because that that would be an absolute steal of finding the Islanders. Like, yeah, you lose to Ferris, but you get a top three pick. You got your original uh, – uh, from the Hamnick trade, you get your original pick. Yeah. That's three picks in the top 15, and you got Barzell, and uh, you still got uh, Jordan Everlay there. You still got Anders Lee. That's still a decent group of forwards. Yeah. The only thing about that is, though, is then you have to get a center. Like, they like because if you're going to trade a guy like Tavares, you're going to want another center back. So, That's true. Know. 
And maybe, you know, they... Maybe they put... Maybe the Canadians put in, like, Galchenyuk or something. Yeah, like that's that. what I'm thinking, too. Yeah. That Galchenyuk would probably have to be a part of that mix. Yeah. But, uh, again, that's... You know, if you know you're losing to Bears and you're not going to get him, why not try and get something for That's him? true. Yeah, you could do that. Um, I mean, of so course... Just, just something to consider. I'm so glad, though, that Montreal didn't get that pick because they traded Subban and Circuit over the past two years, yes. and then they just get handed Dallin on a and summer platter. That, like, that wouldn't be that, fair at all. I know. I was thinking the same thing. And then, and then, we get to, and then both of us would get to face him four times a year. Yeah. I mean, we'll still get to face... Which is still the king of Buffalo, but still... We'll still have to, yeah, no, I was about to say, we'll still have to face them four times a year with uh, with the Sabres, but yeah, it's, it's not as bad, because it's like, oh, well, you know, because it's kind of like the same way as I think about Toronto, it's like, oh, they're just like, oh, that how sweet, you know, they're, they have hope, you know, I, I feel like they're my, like, little brother or something. Um, I'm also glad that uh, Edmonton and uh, Chicago yeah. didn't get a top five pick, that made me happy. Yeah, that was nice to see as well. Um, also, the uh, the Canucks got screwed, and so did, I mean, your Senators also got screwed, but the Canucks, you know, uh, I think they went down two, and so did the Senators, um, so those were the biggest losers in this lottery. Um, sorry to hear Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, what's what's interesting, though, is how the two, three, four is going to work out, because you've yeah. got Sveshnikov, you got Zadina, and you got Brady Kachuk. True. Like, I think depending on positional need, you can make an argument for, like, any of those guys to go 2-3-4 in whatever order. Yeah, So, seems, sure. I, either way, the Sens are going to get a pretty decent player. Yeah, it does seem like the those are the big four in this draft. Um, I do, I will say this, though. If Sveshnikov is still there, the Sens pass him up and draft someone else. Because, I don't know if you've noticed... But since the uh, Yashin and Filatov experiments, how many times have you seen the Sens get a Russian on their team, let alone draft one? Well, I don't, I don't think, think I've seen one. I don't think you have to worry about it because I don't think Svechnikov is going to drop down that low. Um, but I'm saying if he does, <laughs> I do not expect the Sens to draft him. I do not. Just because you feel like they have a Russian bias? I don't know if that's yeah. necessary. Okay. It might be a thing. I don't know if that's necessarily a thing. Um Hard Trophy nominations, Taylor Hall, uh, Nathan McKinnon, and then Andrzej Kopitar. Um, it seemed like it was, like, by the way, I, I want to give kudos for predicting both Hall and McKinnon, um, although I, I shouldn't get credit because I also thought that Kucherov was going to win at that point. Um, it turns out Kucherov isn't even nominated, and uh, Hall and McKinnon uh, went to second gear to get their teams into the playoffs. Um, so, so, so I was right in that prediction, but wrong in the actual winner. I think Hall is going to win this one just because I feel like Taylor Hall had less to work with than McKinnon did. Um, and Kopitar uh, also deserves some, some praise for this. I thought it could, could have gone to Giroux, but, um, I guess it's Kopitar, um, makes sense. See, I I'd be the most shocked if Kopitar wins because yeah. Jonathan Quick was healthy and back to his old ways. Yeah. And Dowdy is nominated for the Norris Trophy, so they got two big True. game players that are helping the Kings to get back into the playoffs. Why give it to Kopitar when guys like McKinnon 
and uh, Taylor Hall single-handedly put their teams in the playoffs. And also, spot. Kopitar is nominated for the Selkie, so he would... Exactly. Yep. So, Kopitar winning this would make the least amount of sense, although I'd be happy for him. Right. Um, McKinnon or Hall will probably win, and McKinnon and Hall are also up for the Ted Lindsay Award, yep. which is the player's vote for MVP. And in my opinion, whoever wins that will also win the Hart Trophy. I don't know. I think McDavid actually has that will win that one. That'll pro- you're right. If if McDavid deserves anything, that'll be the consolation prize. Yeah. Because there's no way a team as bad as the Oilers has a guy like McDavid, who if you put on the line with tearing it up, like yep. the Oilers were shouldn't have been that bad, yep. and McDavid shouldn't have been that good on that team. Right, but exactly. He got the most points. Awesome. He ended up winning the Art Ross, so um, yeah, he yep. kind of deserves that. Uh, Jack Adams, um, and it kind of makes sense too, because like the the Ted Lindsay's a player voted award, um, yeah. so it's like everyone knows that McDavid's actually the best player, whereas the heart is more most valuable to your team, and that that's more towards Taylor Hall and McKinnon, just because the Avalanche and the Devils did better than the Oilers. So there's yeah. that. Jack do, Adams. Do you, think it'd be, do you think it'd be a disgrace if McDavid didn't win the Ted Lindsay though? Uh, no. Um, but I think McDavid will win. He's okay. the favorite. Um, Jack Adams, I mean, like, because I feel like it's hard to know what players think, um, but I think yeah. it, I think in general people understand that McDavid's really good, um, you know, better than everyone else, even McKinnon and yeah. Hall, so I think they're... I wouldn't be surprised, though, at the same time, because McKinnon okay. and Hall have kind of had this own renaissance in the in their this season. So, um, so I wouldn't be surprised there either. But um, I, my my ballot is for Taylor Hall, uh, just because I feel like the Devils were uh, were worse than the Avalanche this year, um, and and Hall had less to work with. Ted Lee, yeah. uh, Jack Jack Adams. Gerard Gallant, uh, Bruce Cassidy, Jared Bednar. Any other year, I feel like this would be um, Jared Bednar's because, you know, just the fact that the Avalanche were terrible last year, um, like the worst in franchise history, and then they go on and, win, you know, to, even to the playoffs is a, is amazing and a, an achievement um, in its own right. But Gerard Gallant uh, gets this going away, obviously Bruce Cassidy has, um, you know, deserves it as well, but, um, you know, they made the playoffs last year, and um, but uh, I, I think it's it's actually going to be a two-coach race, um, not even a two-coach race, it's, it's just Gallant, it's going to be him, but if it was any other year, it would have been Jared Bednar. I feel like we don't even talk about the fact that the Avalanche even made it to the playoffs, and that's just impressive that um, that they were able to do that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think any other year you're right to be Bednar. Although, to be perfectly honest, who would have predicted that the Bruins yep. uh, would have finished one point behind Tampa for tops in the East True. after just you know being like close to a wild card team a year ago? Yep. That's still pretty impressive and. Are, are you kind of surprised that Cassidy even got nominated? No, that's all I wanted. That's that's all I wanted is Cassidy to be nominated. I because I, I knew going in that Gallant was going to win, 
you know, even yeah. in January. So, but I just wanted him to be nominated. So I, I'm not surprised at all. I, but, um, yeah, I don't know who else it would even be really. Um, I guess. Yeah, could, it's, yeah. it's a glance award and, and probably, you know, for the sake of Bruce Cassidy and yep. Jared Bednar, they're probably fortunate because I don't know if you noticed, but the guy that seems to be winning the, uh, Jack Adams yep. seems to be cursed a year or two later. Well, it is kind of a stupid award. It is kind of a stupid award because it seems to be more of the about the most improved team instead of the you know the actual best coach. Because if that were true, yeah. every year it would go to like Mike Babcock would have won a bunch. And yeah, we, we, Babcock. We've, we've, we've gone down that road already. Yeah, yeah. or even Sullivan um, would get nominated. Um, King Clancy. Uh, it seems like uh, we're only going to briefly mention this just because there were usually it's. Uh, like a team-nominated thing, so every team uh, nominates a player for the King Clancy Award. But this kind of like uh, the Bill Masterton Award. Yep. Um, they also nominated their players, I think, soon, right? Uh, but uh, anyways, the this year, it was 32 uh, players that were nominated, and only because, this is only notable because the Sedins, both the Sedins were nominated, and they can't, I guess they can't, they're, uh, the Canucks were allowed to do that for some reason. Um, um, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, Wouldn't it be fitting if they won, though, both of them? It could that, happen, that I be, mean. That would be a good send-off. It would be like a present, yeah, for them. Uh, Chuck yeah. Fletcher is out as the GM for Minnesota. I remember we were talking about this last week about how Minnesota is just an old group and Maybe this is just a sign that they're going to try to, like, get younger or, um, you know, go into another direction because what they're doing isn't necessarily working. So um, so this could be good for them. It just depends on what their GM is at the moment. I think it also um, – I think it's also a worrying sign for Bruce Boudreaux that he's got to have a good year because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he had the – you know, the respect and confidence of Chuck Fletcher, but he doesn't know this, you know, whoever this new guy is going to be, he doesn't know him as well. So at the end of the day, this new guy is going to be like, okay, you know, this guy might be good, but I think this guy could do it better. So um, I think maybe Boudreaux should watch his back a little bit because uh, you never know what another subpar first round exit will do to your career. True, I feel like, well, Boudreaux knows a bit about that, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think Boudreaux might be close to uh, being fired. Um, Which is unfortunate because he's a good coach. He just, true. in the playoffs, can't get it done. Yeah, true. Uh, so we did mention last week that it was going to be rumored that Bill Peters um, was going to the Flames, and now it's an official. On Monday, Bill Peters goes to the Flames. Um, yeah. And then I think you you have Oilers and Habs news. Yeah, so uh, assistant coaches Jim Johnson and Ian Herbers were canned in Edmonton. And head coach to put for head coach. Uh, as for the Montreal Canadiens, they parted ways with assistants J.J. Dagenaud and Dan Lacroix. Claude Julien still in charge behind the bench, but... In my opinion, that may not be the case if uh, things continue to go the way they have been with the announcement that Dominic Ducharme is coming in as an assistant coach. And if you haven't heard about this 45-year-old mind of the game, 
He got the Halifax Mooseheads to the 2013 Memorial Cup and led them to a title. Well, and that squad had names like Zach Fucali, Nathan McKinnon. Oh, uh, who's that other guy? Oh, yeah, Jonathan plays to the Canadians. So maybe having a familiar face in the locker room is going to help cheer. And it's also a move because and that's relevant because good resume. He's got ties with Druin. He is born in Quebec. Any good chance he you know? So if he gets a good game in three to four years or maybe even less, say, oh, okay, Dominique, it's your team now. Yeah. So, oh, acquisition of the he speaks. And in my opinion, he has the makings to be the next head coach of the Habs if things go south with Claude Julian. Yeah, I was about to say, if he can speak French, that's all. That's the only qualification for them. <laughs> so. Yeah, or so it seems, yeah, because yeah. uh, <laughs> that's why they chose Claude Julian and Michelle. Altarian over a bunch of other people. True. And L- Elaine Vignon. Um, yep. Um, and then um, I was just going to rant quickly. Um, oh, also, also, there's another piece of uh, head ops news that you that I forgot to include. Flames President Brian Burke stepping down as of Tuesday. Oh, wow. I didn't even catch that. Um, yeah, that was a couple of days ago. I forgot to include it in uh, the pre-show notes. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, Brian Burke, uh, no longer president of the Calgary Flames, effective May first. That's kind of big, actually. Uh, you know, because it seems like he was the, 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 I don't know, the face of the the, the organization there. So um, we'll see <laughs> how that works works out. For the them. good news is uh, for all you Brian Burke fans is that uh, apparently he's going to be joining Sportsnet for the rest of their playoff coverage. So if you want to see Burke and uh, the way he ties his tie on TV. Uh, well, you can until uh, probably the first or second week of June. So uh, yeah. there's still plenty of Brian Burke content to go around. So there's the bright side, the bright side of that. Um, yeah, you want you wonder if he's going to be a permanent fixture there now on TV. But yes. Yeah. So I mentioned this before when I when we were talking about this in Columbus, but um, it appears that Zach Werwinski was playing injured. I mean, it seems like it's an undisclosed. It was an undisclosed injury. Uh, so we're, we're not entirely sure what he exactly injured, but it seemed like he was playing injured for his entire season, um, which, I mean, it wasn't too surprising considering that he had a, um, I think he had like 10 points less than he had in the, his rookie season, but it was still like 39 points. So that's not terrible, of course, but at the same time, you're like, so this is my big pet peeve here is that I hate when guys play injured. Like, I understand if you're, you know, if it's the playoffs and you, you or if you, if you get injured on the play or something and you can play it, and I get that it's like, um, I get that understanding of things, and, um, but at the same time, it's just it's so stupid to play injured, um, when it, especially when you know you're, you're, you're injured and you know that it could hurt you. It's just, I just, like, if you're, like, a Columbus fan, like, why, like, it just, you could further injure, like, this, like, your franchise defenseman. I know Seth Jones was pretty good for them, so 
there is something to that, but, like, Wierenski is also, like, a franchise defenseman for them as well, and he could, you know, he could have just taken some rest and healed, and then, you know, eventually uh, been up to what he wants, um, what we want, what we expect him to be, um, and what we know he can be, um, when he's a fully healthy. So that, that aspect of things I don't understand. Maybe like the doctors thought he could play and it turns out he can't. So it's just, I don't know. I just don't like this whole like philosophy of like playing tough or hockey tough. And it, it, it just, uh, it just gets me, uh, annoyed. And the same thing for Nico Heischer. Um, he did ha- end up having a good season. He had 50 points, but apparently he was pl- he had like a bad hand injury for the entire season. Um, and this is another case where it's like, why didn't you just play like get back and recover back in time when you know when you could play and when you felt healthy enough? Why do you have to play injured? It doesn't even make sense to me. Um, I mean, it's impressive that they're like both these guys are able to play um, while they're injured and like actually kind of be somewhat effective. But it's still it's just bothersome that they are able to play while they're injured. It shouldn't even be like this. Like I, I guess I just get more annoyed at all the reactions. It's like, oh my god, they played while they were injured. What a beast! So like, no, they're not. They were just idiots. Yeah, like, Kachuri is a perfect example <laughs> yeah. of that. He gets a hat-trick and two assists yeah. in Game 6 with a torn MCL, and he plays through the bulk of the first round with that torn MCL, too. Yeah, it's just, yeah. He's the Kachuri's, Flyers' best player. Yeah, it's just like, like, like I guess I, I'll admit that it is impressive, as I said all the time throughout this rant, but it's just so stupid. And also, it's like, you know, Nico Heischer is supposed to be this, like, you know, the, the, like, the, this, like, you know, he's a first overall pick, so, like, if you're gonna, like, you're endangering your own health risk by playing injured, um, and the same can be said for Wierenski, the same can be said for Katuria, the same could be said for Austin Matthews, I mean, I guess it's, it's a little different when you're, you know, in the playoffs, I can understand, like, wanting to play, because it's only, like, Maybe it's only like four games if you know if your team does well, so you can kind of like hide under the fact that you know if you're injured or whatever. But it's just it's just so stupid to play injured during the regular season, um, especially if you're like a and like especially if you're a team like the Devils or the Blue Jackets who want to be like cautious of all like their their franchise players. Like that. It just, it just, I don't know, it just bothers me uh, to no end. Well, there, there's also other instances. Apparently, uh, Dustin Brown and Trevor Lewis were banged up uh, yep. in LA. Um, and um, prior to the playoffs, uh, we all remember that Monahan decided uh, to bail for the final few weeks because of an injury he suffered. But the Flames at that point were still kind of in the thick of the playoff race. Yeah. Uh, when he started uh, to get banged up, and Tarasenko, it was found out that he was hurt. True. But you know the Blues weren't eliminated until the final day. The stupidest, the stupidest injury to play through for me was Paul Byron, who now needs six months to recover after 
toughing out the season, dealing with his injury when the Canadian season probably ended in February. Yeah, that's a good point. That was the stupidest one of them all. Yeah, that is. is I'll give you full credit, Paul Byron, for toughening it out, but you shouldn't be doing that when your team is that bad. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, I can buy playoff teams, but the Canadians weren't out by February. I guess there is something to the fact that, like, both the Devils and the Blue Jackets were, you know, in the thick of the playoffs. So maybe, maybe they felt like, oh, like, if maybe the team thought that if Wierenski and Heischer. Uh, can't play, then they're... Or you know, the that players means, themselves, even. Yeah, you know, so... I'm sure the players themselves would be willing to push through it if it if it meant, you know, playing in playoffs. Yeah, hockey, true, right? true. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like maybe, maybe there is something to that where, like, the team doctors are like, oh, he's fine, even though, like, if he was on the... If, they, if this was, like, the Sabres, then they would have said, like, oh, no, he can't play. You know, so they may have been, like, fudging kind of the... Um, maybe not doing their job appropriately. Um, so I don't know, but, um, but getting back to Couturier playing yeah. through a torn MCL, how's that possible? Yeah, I don't know. Like that must be painful. And it's and also impressive because he, on it, like, he had like two goals in the, in that, in that game too. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't seem to hurt matter, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just. I guess, oh. I guess some people have a higher pain threshold than others, and it's just like, oh, yeah. it's not a big deal. Torn MCL, oh, okay, I guess it was a big deal. It didn't I just, feel like it to me. I just guess I don't necessarily like the whole this whole hockey philosophy, maybe. I don't know if that's yeah. right. Of just, like... The whole, hockey, the whole hockey culture of, you know, toughen up, you know. Exactly. I just, I just don't like that aspect of things where uh, the hockey culture isn't necessarily, like... Maybe it just says something more to the hockey culture that these guys are, so many guys, are willing to play while injured just so that they don't yeah, appear play, play soft. Yeah, team first instead of, you yeah. know, your own well-being. Yeah, exactly. So um, so that's why I, I don't know, I find that, it's just, like, I, I get it if, if you want, like, I get it, it's a competitive drive, but... Like, being injured doesn't mean that you're giving up on life, <laughs> you know? It's just... Yeah. Um, so, so that that just that whole philosophy of hockey culture just bothers me here. Anyways, let's end the show. Well, get ready, get ready, because we're gonna hear more of that as more teams get eliminated. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Um, and also, like you know, like and also, I kind of would be a hypocrite if I didn't say because Bergeron famously played with a ruptured lung throughout the entire yeah. 2013 playoffs series. And, and that so, uh, Gregory Campbell series yeah, of blocked shots. Exactly. So I, I. I, but at the same time, like Patrice Bergeron is Patrice Bergeron, you know, it's like, he's not your, <laughs> he your a normal player. Exactly. He's like, he's not your normal player, basically. So I, yeah. he'll, 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 he gets a pass in my part. He's the only exception, but everyone else. Yeah. So Patrice Bergeron <laughs> can play through injury yeah. Bergeron, and everyone else. No. Bergeron could play with a like broken leg, and I'd be fine with that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, so, uh, so there's an exception to the rule. If your yeah. name is Patrice Bergeron, you can play hockey like Patrice Bergeron. Exactly. That, and Brad Skid books, no matter what. Exactly. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, Bergeron may actually be injured because he he did take off Game Four in the Toronto series, so it is possible. Yeah. <laughs> it would not. It would not surprise me if he was battling uh, through something for sure. But yeah, to his uh, credit, though, of, he did. Uh, 
Speaking of battling here, just taking a look at uh, Penn's cast before we end the show. Yeah. It's now 3-1 Washington with about 2-10 to play in the second. Yeah, I noticed that. I was about to mention that. Um, okay. Twitter, we uh, have Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. Um, that's where you get your latest on our episodes. Um, and we're also back on SoundCloud, so that's exciting. Um, I don't think we've updated the blog recently, so... Um, there's that. Um, yeah, it, it'll be a work in progress, probably more through the off-season uh, yeah. kind of thing. We'll try update stuff throughout the playoffs, but kind of busy uh, with my work and stuff. Sure. But um, we'll be sure to promote it on Facebook and Twitter when we do have something up. But for those curious, if you want to look at through the archives and see if we were right about certain things, uh, com. mostly my thoughts. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking I might start writing um, when I have more time, which is actually upcoming this week, so, um, that's, that's gonna be fun. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 124 of the Lace Em Up podcast.